an embodied spiritual practice is actually one that connects you back to the earth and actually works with your life force, which is sexual energy. Welcome to Openly Spoken, the podcast to help you show up, speak out, and be seen. I'm your host, Celia Antonio, women's empowerment mentor, mindfulness expert, and quantum self-love coach. Every week, you'll hear real and unfiltered stories from me and my guests covering topics around spirituality, self-expression, womanhood, healing, love, relationships, and more. My intention with this podcast is to help sensitive, spiritual, ambitious women fully step into their potential so that you can live a life you love with every cell and every fiber of your being. And I get that it's not easy to fit into a box. So I bring in a variety of topics to feed your multifaceted self. You can find me over on Instagram at selfexpressbabe and info on where to find my guests are always going to be in the show notes below. I am so grateful that you're here and I invite you to now set an intention, sit back, relax, and receive what is coming through to you on your headphones right now. Take what resonates, leave out what doesn't, and give yourself time to reflect. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Openly Spoken. I'm so grateful that you're here listening. If this is our first time meeting Hello, hello. My name is Celia, and I'm so excited to bring you this week's guest, Phoenix Amara. Phoenix is an internationally recognized prayer performance ceremonialist, divine feminine guide, and founder of the Temple Arts Academy. For almost a decade, she's facilitated hundreds of somatic central ceremonies for clients, as well as mentoring thousands through her online and in-person trainings, retreats, and events. Her work can best be described as a fusion of soul, sex, and art. And in this conversation, we are going to be talking about finding your authentic expression through soul, sex, and art. And a little bit more about Phoenix. She has a very interesting background. She started a different business back in 2016 and 17. She was the founder of Awakened Woman Convergence, where she organized international retreats and conferences in destinations like Bali and Arizona. She performed and spoke on dozens of stages all across North America. And now she's doing something kind of the same, but like different. (laughs) It's not the exact same business, but it's a different chapter of her life. And she also has a book out. It's called Ascension of Gaia and what it documents, such an interesting topic. It's talks about the quantum erotic evolution of our planet's consciousness and humanity's genetic legacy. Very juicy, right? So let's dive into our conversation. Feel free to take some notes. And then after this conversation, I highly recommend you go and check out the links in the show notes so that you can find Phoenix and be in her world. Follow her on Instagram. She always posts once in a while. She'll post like um, a grouping of a bunch of hilarious memes. And they're definitely like soul nourishing memes. I always love her memes. And then her website is also in the show notes. You can find her book in the show notes. And yeah, go ahead, be in her world, send her a message, reach out to her, especially if you enjoyed this conversation. And let's get into it. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to offer a gift to you. And I've created this gift because in 2020, I was in a space that you might be in right now. I was doing a lot. I had a full schedule, full life, doing what I loved, but without any space to breathe. I was living in my head most of the time, and I wasn't really aware of how disconnected I was from my body, even though I was a yoga teacher. And little did I know, my curiosity to answer this one question changed so much to me. The question was, what is divine feminine energy? I had no idea that following that curiosity would lead to basically a spiritual awakening. 
And so I've taken those codes and I've broken it down into seven days and we're going to have space in between to integrate. Integration has been a big topic in discussions lately with clients, with friends of like really needing that space to allow things to like settle instead of consuming more and more. And in this little portal, in this free experience, we will have guided practices. We'll come together on group calls. We will also have women's circles that will be unrecorded so that it can be a safe space to open up, to get vulnerable. And whatever happens on the call stays on the call. It's kind of like Las Vegas. <laughs> so this event, it's a free event. It's called Embodied Woman. It's happening October 3rd to October 14th. We will be moving through breath, body, mind, spirit, soul, all the things, body-based practices. There's a link in the show notes below for you to find out more and to save your spot. Now let's dive in to this week's episode. Thank you for taking time to be with me here, Phoenix, for the Openly Spoken podcast today. So excited to have you. Yes, me too. It's, it's nice to be here with you. <laughs> so I know I have a little recorded intro about you, but let's introduce yourself in your own words by telling us what you do and yeah, anything that's really resonant with you right now. Yeah, you know, trying to encapsulate who someone is <laughs> and what they do, especially in this world now, being so multidimensional, it can be difficult. But um, how I would describe myself and what I do is essentially I'm a multidimensional muse. So I mm. work with people in the realms of soul, sex, and art and support them in really expressing who they are. Uh, through these three different realms, through tantric rituals, through uh, rites of passage work and working with archetypal embodiment mm -hmm. to really explore different facets of one's being. I love that. And you have a book that came out at the end of 2020, right? Ascension yeah. of Gaia. Yeah, the Ascension <laughs> of Gaia. It, um, I did release it on Amazon, but the print version is coming out in the next month. Okay, cool. I was wondering because I found that on Amazon and it said like to buy it on Kindle. I'm like, how do I get the actual book? <laughs> yeah, it's so I did release it and, um, you know, and now I have a revised version that's coming out. So it'll be revised on Amazon as well. But yeah, it's, it's been almost three years that I've been really delving into this book. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it talks a lot about just the changes that are happening on the planet and how our planet's consciousness is transforming in her sexual evolution. And so, because we mm -hmm. are like the cells of the earth, you know, we're also going through this, this evolution of our Kundalini, of our sexual energy, of our awakening process. And so it documents those changes along with a lot of my journeys around the world, mm -hmm. having these different uh, rites of passage and initiations. I love that. It sounds like it's going to be a good book. <laughs> it's definitely, it's, it's pretty out there, you know, it's, it's pretty out there, but I, I think everyone should be sharing, you know, their, their life story in a way that um, is truthful, you mm -hmm. know, and mine's very truthful. So sometimes a bit too truthful, but. <laughs> <laughs> and also with the like sexuality piece of it, of like that we're having this kind of like, awakening I feel like you said like it's sometimes the book is like too honest or too much it's it's wild to me that talking about sexuality is still like too much or like considered very radical mm -hmm. um but I understand it because I am I am so new in this realm of sexual healing and it's, it's so beautiful when you get to a point where you're like, oh, this is why there are sexuality coaches out there. Like this is why people yes. are so passionate about it because yes. what we believe sexuality to be based on movies and 
what, you know, our parents and grandparents teach us or don't teach us about sex is a complete lie. (laughs) Essentially. Yeah. Essentially. Like it was actually really interesting. I was watching um, the, the Goop series last night. Okay. So for anyone who's really new to this work, you know, there's a really great series on Netflix. It's by Gwyneth Paltrow and um, there's two series and I've already watched the sexuality one. And it's really great because it actually like, it's introducing my world to (laughs) people in the mainstream. And I'm like, finally, and (laughs) I was just watching uh, the episode with Betty Martin uh, or Betty Dodson. Sorry. And um, I mean, there's, there's a few Bettys in the sexuality realm that are like kind of like the matriarchs, you know, holding it down. And uh, it was just so beautiful because they actually showed real vaginas on television. And I was like, on Netflix. <laughs> oh my God. I was just like this watching. I was like, oh my God, like, whoa. <laughs> and so, you know, it's so funny that here we are in 2022 and, and people are just starting to really wake up to like what is healthy sexuality what is you know and at the same time too there's a lot of conversations um you know that are very edgy and controversial around should we be teaching our children about um you know uh different like non-binary labels and stuff in schools and so there's this Mm. you know there's a lot of conversation and opening happening around sexuality and we're we're finding our edges we're finding our our footing in it. And so, um, you know, that's why I just really love this work because it's like sexuality is one of the last places that we hold shame, right? Mm. Um, actually money and sex. Together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Makes, makes sense. <laughs> and it's funny cause we create, uh, you know, our sexual energy and money actually mm-hmm. in our sacral. Mm-hmm. So they're intricately connected right into this, this power place in our bodies. And so, a lot of times if people are suppressing that energy and pushing it down, they're literally stuffing down their life force you know, mm. or constricting it or um, n- not even addressing it. And so when we start to work with sexual energy in a healing way, it starts to allow just for that more life force to, to flow through us. And that's why I love weaving an art therapy in with sexuality and healing because it's a way of expressing that, which is sometimes inexpressible. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a creative force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just allows you to, to share a little bit more through the modality of art, which can sometimes share what we're feeling without words. Right. So, mm. yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really like, I'm very inspired right now because I have a course starting next week with a group of people and it's, um, it's a seven week immersion. And like, so one of the practices is, is that we paint our, our lingams or our yonis and then share that you know um you do like a self-portrait of it or do you like actually paint your body (laughs) well (laughs) that's or that's the thing is is it's like you know you have this assignment right so each week there's an assignment so you can take a picture of your cock and and do Mm -hmm. a digital collage you could paint your yoni and take a photo of it you can paint a picture of it like however you want to represent it um but yeah, so often, like even just watching this Goop series, I mean, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's lead, you know, senior executive chief had never seen what her pussy looked like. Wow, never, never seen, wow, never looked at her vagina, right? So it's just, yeah, it's, it's creating a safe environment to explore these things because it's it's not putting shame on it, like, oh my god, I can't believe you haven't seen your vagina. It's like we mm-hmm. grew up. Mm-hmm. without any sexual education most of us you know we're yeah. very limited um mm-hmm. and what we did learn was through porn which is vastly different than real life so yeah you know we had to be gentle with ourselves mm-hmm. as we're exploring these topics and, and this work so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it can be hard too to dive into exploring the work because i'm sure there's at least one person out there who's already triggered like listening to this and they're like oh they said cock <laughs> like they're talking about painting their yonis <laughs> so what would you say to someone who is feeling like who's feeling like that right now oh it it's an opportunity like triggers are an opportunity i think to look at what's underneath there 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I still get triggered by stuff. I mean, like, gosh, <laughs> you know, I've been in this work for a decade, a decade, yeah. and there's still moments where I get triggered. And so it's just, I use it as an opportunity to be like, oh, what is this bringing up for me? Mm-hmm. What is this um, wanting to show me? Right. Mm-hmm. Where has this been unexplored? And, um, and yeah, and I think it's just breathing through the trigger and realizing like it has a message for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had an experience last year where I was like, holy, holy fuck, holy fuck. Like <laughs> a moment where I just, it, uh, I got invited to like a sacred orgy you know oh my gosh <laughs> and like I was in the middle of the orgy room and just watching all these people making love around me and it, I realized like wow how disconnected we are from that like how many people have watched porn for their entire lives growing up and watched strangers making love but to actually see people that you know in front of you making love mm-hmm. um it really brought up a lot for me it was a sadness there was a grief there was Mm -hmm. like underneath the trigger you know yeah um and it was really beautiful because I you know I didn't feel pressured to like join I didn't feel like I had to push myself I actually just like meditated in the middle of this like orgy room it was really beautiful and I was like okay I'm very awkward like what do I do and I just like I just breathed you know and then at one point like a couple were making love right there and then a woman and her dom like this woman's head was in my lap at one like I just was like okay this is just I'm just meant to be immersed in it um and it had me like research more about tribal cultures and um, mm-hmm. how, you know, like, and actually we just had Easter pass, right? Mm-hmm. And the origins of Easter are really, these are ancient fertility rituals. Right? Mm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Easter is derived, um, the name is derived from like Sumerian names for Ostara, Astart, um, you know, there's this lineage of goddess, goddesses Isis and Mary Magdalene. Mm-hmm. Right? And Mary Magdalene was the consort of Yeshua. Um, Yeshua has been represented as Osiris, as uh, Dumuzi. Like in each, in each major culture, they had the sun god, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's very fascinating that when we look at the, the ritual of Easter eggs, right? They're, they're about fertility. You know, they're about f- fertility coming alive. And so in the ancient traditions, they would actually have sacred orgies in communities to help um, bring about the harvest, uh-huh. you know, in, in, their, in their community, right? Because you didn't have a grocery store, like, you know, to go to, they had to really, you know, place a lot of um, prayer and effort on their crops mm-hmm. coming to fruition. So they mm-hmm. would have these beautiful rites of, of, ceremonies where they would copulate together or you know in some cultures like they would have what what they call a day out of time where you know if you're married for that one day you can be with farmer john you know who lives across the street from you and it's like it's forgiven like very fascinating you know Uh once we start to research where a lot of these traditions come from so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i feel like we've definitely lost touch of having rituals and having more of that connection to our tribal nature. Like if we were animals, we were, we wouldn't be hiding that we make love like animals. They're out in the <laughs> open. They don't care. They don't have any shame around it. Yeah. And it's just interesting how like in nature, we're like the only species who are like, let's go hide in a room. <laughs> T- totally. And, or like, like not be vocal or yeah. Yeah. Hide it. And mm-hmm. um, I think there's a John Lennon quote it's like, it's like we make, we should be making peace in public, right? Like lovemaking is one of the most beautiful things and yet we hide it, but yeah. we make war in public. Mm, yeah. Right. Oh man. You no. Know? Right. And, and so the world, I think we're starting to, I think as Gaia is evolving and as we're transforming our relationship with the earth. Um, and this, this again is what my book talks about. It's like, I think 
humanity has seen themselves as children of the earth. And so what do we call our, our planet? We call her mother earth. Mm-hmm. Right. And as children, it's like, you look to your mother as like this, you know, we're, we're this all consuming, you know, species that's been like suckling on her for a long time, like just taking, taking, taking. And now we're maturing to this point in our evolution where it's time to start giving back. Right. Mm. And so that's also in these rites of passage, right. For every man, you know, there comes this tra- transition where they stop looking at the, the feminine as the mother and they start looking at her as the lover. Mm. So lover earth versus mother earth. And that means giving back to her. This is like the resurgence of mm. the erotic mother. <laughs> right. And being a mom myself, like, it was such a weird transition to think of myself now as holding these, this polarity of mm-hmm. being this erotic being, but also being this like nurturing, caring for somebody else energy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you can be both, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We get to have, we're full, st- full spectrum beings. <laughs> we get to have all of it. We get to feel all of it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I love archetypal work too, because it it really allows you uh, this gateway into understanding these different facets of being. Mm -hmm. And I'm a bit of like a history nerd. Like (laughs) I'm a deep history nerd actually. So like I geek out on like Sumerian mythology and like some of the most ancient mythologies that you can kind of come across. And You know, and what I've seen is is that there was this point where we used to have this pantheon, right? In many of these older cultures, a pantheon of gods and goddesses. And they were these different archetypes, right? So you had the god of war, you had the goddess of love, you had, um, you know, in the Greek mythologies, you had the goddess of the hearth, you had the goddess of childbearing, you had all these different archetypal energies that just represented parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then with, you know, with kind of like this, this transformation of Christianity, I like to say transformation because I, I, I'm a big lover of Jesus and Mary, but I think that a lot of that work really changed by people that wanted to suppress, um, oh, yeah, for sure. sexuality and yeah. suppress, suppress life force. And so they kind of collapsed the all of these, mm-hmm. yeah, they collapsed all these archetypes into one. Mm-hmm. And so women had this one tiny sliver mm-hmm. of understanding themselves as virginal, pure, um, and anything else is bad and sinful, you know, and then the same thing for men, right? They had this mm. like tiny sliver of what it meant to be good. And, and so we kind of lost this ability to access, I think, different parts of ourselves, different facets of our being. And, and so archetype work really starts to give you permission to access like your wild woman mm. to access your i call her the holy whore <laughs> right or the holy slut um or holy <laughs> prostitute uh to access your dark feminine mm-hmm. and the same thing with men right like to access that primal energy mm-hmm. you know that actually hetero women like myself deeply crave you mm-hmm. know so it, i think we're starting to see a lot of this this uh understanding of these different facets coming back into the collective again mm-hmm. and you know through archetype work through priestess work um and they're actually it they're they're part of rites of passage mm-hmm. you know um and joseph campbell's talked about this a lot um you know the hero's quest right every hero or heroine needs to to go on a quest and you go through these rites of passage yeah and we're starting to just find them innately now within ourselves and go on these quests and access these pieces of ourselves. It's almost like taking back all of these lost elements and putting them back in, remembering, yeah. right? Returning, remembering whole. Yeah. yeah. Returning back home. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, a, that's yeah. how I see it. Yeah. Do you see any big differences between like the women you work with and the men you work with? Because if feel like it feels like men have more freedom to be sexual, but at the same time, like what it is to be sexual 
that is given to us in the media is I, I really feel even porn. Like the, I feel like that is one little sliver of what sexuality is. And it's just like the, I guess the dark side of it, but there's this whole like sensual, soft, spiritual, magical side of it. So I'm curious, like, what are the major differences you see? <laughs> I, well, like, so I've, I've worked with definitely a lot of men in the past decade, like a lot, like I would say probably like 500 men mm-hmm. in my first year, actually of training. Like I worked with probably like a hundred men. Um, and I would say like one of the major things that they're, they're all experiencing or a majority of them is, is porn addiction. Mm. And and what happens is, is when there's an addiction to porn and like, again, a lot of it starts at like young ages, like 11, yeah. 12, 13. And so it's like programmed their nervous system. And it's also really like put their understanding of women into a very small box. And, and yeah. they know that it's not like it's keeping them from the intimacy that they want or the, the romance, mm. like I think that this is the thing is, is that like actually deep inside we're craving that romance. Yeah. You know? like, sure. That's why I love like 1800s, you know, like those old, uh, those old stories, you know, Wuthering Heights or no, not Wuthering Heights. Um, there's a few that are just, you know, like chivalry and, mm-hmm. you know, just like writing love poems and, and being able to access that, that part of you that loves so deeply. And so, these men that come to me, they're like, they know that they're, they're finding it difficult to access that piece of themselves. And part of it is, is a porn addiction. And so a big piece around that is like helping them to let the desire Mm -hmm. to want to explore that and to tap into the well of love that they have become stronger than the addiction, Mm. you know? And so um, we do that through, um, you know, edging practices, through just cutting out porn, um, through doing, helping them through like deep emotional work, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, my cat and wants also, to like, join the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and supporting them in, in feeling held too, as well, and being able to tap into the well of emotions that is there right? Mm-hmm. That they haven't felt yeah. safe to explore, you know? Yeah. Um, and for me, that means um, bringing them through it like a hero's quest, I call it. So I have a modality and a pathway for men where they go through like six major archetypes of a hero's quest. And it's like a rite of passage. And as they're going through that, then I embody the, the feminine aspect, right? So whether mm-hmm. it's the divine mother, whether it's, you know, the holy whore, whether it's the, the warrioress, right. And I support them in accessing these pieces of themselves so that they can remember who they are, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the women that come to me, that's a whole different, like, that's like, I'm just so floored by like the sex priestesses that are just coming online, you know, yeah and remembering who they are. So I, I get a lot of women that want to train with me to, to actually do this work, to facilitate these kind of journeys, mm-hmm. um, which is really beautiful. Yeah. So it's like, you know, supporting them in the, the work of like womb work of healing the connection to their yoni and their sexual fire, and then supporting them in how to hold containers for other people mm. um, that are yeah. safe, that are loving and, and yet still allow people to crack the edges mm-hmm. of their existence. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's probably a big piece of like feeling safe in their feminine because the world is so dominated by masculine energy. And we kind of like put ourselves, the ones of us who like work in corporate or, or have had nine to five jobs in the past, like we put ourselves in this kind of like little sliver of, how we're supposed to be (laughs) to be successful so then we like ignore our cyclical bodies and ignore nature and then we're we're like that was at least my experience where I was really good at the masculine side of like getting things done planning making to-do lists and all that stuff but it was I was just so disconnected from my body Mm -hmm. I couldn't even like 
put to words how I was feeling sometimes, like I was so numb and, and diving into the work. It really does bring you back home to who you are. It's so beautiful. So beautiful. I'm curious to know how you got into working with people with sexuality, because I'm sure that's not how you started. You also shared with me how you did. Um, was it like more of like, oh, what is the word for it? The words are escaping me. <laughs> <laughs> but since childhood, you've set, you've, you've like facilitated and like mentored people on being more spiritually connected and you've been you've always been kind of like a witch I'm gonna yeah. call it <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I, I grew up actually with uh you know being very close to my grandparents and okay. uh, my grandmother was a witch so she's kind of like a prominent witch in our town she's doing like ghost busting and she's very much into astrology and reading charts and mm-hmm. tarot and aliens and you name it. And um, (laughs) and so she kind of like unofficially mentored me in like, you know, pagan ideologies or like a pagan perspective um, of, of nature magic, you know, and they have this gigantic library of just books and books and books. And so like when I was like seven, eight, nine, I really started like getting into you know, these books and like making talismans. And then by the age of like 11, I was like aligning my chakras at night. Like oh my was, gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty hilarious. So like, I like to say that like, by the time I was like 12, 13, I was like smoking weed in the day and listening to talk <laughs> and like hanging out with my friends. And at nighttime, I was doing these like chakra alignment practices and I started astral traveling quite a bit. Um, and I had some experiences that really kind of like freaked me out, like meeting extra dimensional beings and being like, holy crap, I am so out of my league. Like, yeah. you know, um, I'm starting to have a lot of flashbacks around my times in Egypt and, you know, having these memories of like being underneath the pyramids, like, and actually apparently there is a stream that runs underneath the pyramid, you know? Oh, and, cool. uh, so I was having these flashbacks and so, um, you know, I kind of shut it off for a really long time after having these experiences. Um, and it wasn't until I would say I had a, I had a near-death experience in uh, China where I, I really kind of like strayed from my soul's path and um, I tried to commit suicide and, um, mm-hmm. and had a near-death experience that really like kind of woke me up, you know, back onto my spiritual path. And um, from there, I went and studied uh, visual arts and kind of started getting back into my passion, you know. Okay. Um, but then again, I kind of strayed, right? And I, I was like, oh, I have to be like pragmatic about my career choice and I have to do something that will make me money. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that I was going to be an architect, you know, because an okay. architect, you make lots of money. And so I started <laughs> you know, like studying environmental design. And I went to UBC and, um, and of course, like that whole, just that whole industry, that whole realm is so masculine, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really was not connected to my feminine. Um, You know, I was just working so much so hard. And it's funny, because I see pictures of myself from that time. And I just like, I looked kind of like a boy, you know, (laughs) it's really interesting. Um, and then I was going to do a master's in urban planning. And basically at that time, like my marriage was falling apart. So I got married, mm-hmm. um, to somebody I wasn't in love with. Um, I didn't get into my master's program, um, that I was like, so dead set on, you know, and I came across my first Tantra teacher. And mm. so like, <laughs> I was like this whole, like, I went through this whole ego death of like who I thought I was supposed to be, you know? And, and this whole new realm was opening up. So like I got divorced and then I like was, you know, mentoring all these men and I was letting go of this career plan. And I was then discovering like, oh my God, I'm such a babe. Like, oh my God, this is my sexuality, (gasps) you know? (laughs) And so from there, it just, that's kind of what, uh, what led me on this path. And you know, and yet still I knew that I needed to reconcile this like artistic part of myself, 
you mm-hmm. know, that was into performance and theater and, and visual art, but also the spirituality, mm-hmm. you know, the, the spiritual aspects of like all these things I studied, you know, and how an embodied spiritual practice is actually one that connects you back to the earth and actually works with your life force, which is sexual energy. So, you know, it just felt like everything came full circle, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where um, I've been sharing this temple arts alchemy modality of like a means of reconciling those three things like soul, sex and art, mm-hmm. you know, and how that they're connected and how they can weave together, you mm-hmm. know, for this deeper healing, because uh, it's so needed, mm-hmm. you know, like there's all these adults that are starting to come into this awakening that like, Oh my God, I want to feel free in my sexuality. I want to have an orgasm for the first time. Like, you know, so many women that I've worked with that, like they've never had an orgasm even like they've never had that, you know, due to trauma or, you know, being numb or just being disconnected. And, um, so yeah, I feel like we are in this time where we as adults get to heal this within ourselves so that the next generation will feel comfortable exploring their sexuality or having a healthy relationship yeah. with sexuality. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. that next generation will have such a step ahead because sexuality is such a big part of who we are. And mm-hmm. like, we're, we're the art from that. Like we're the result of two beings coming together. And like, if we have all this shame and mm-hmm contraction around the beautiful like union of two people that make us then gosh that just like brings tears to my eyes <laughs> you know <laughs> I know I know it's just funny like you're saying that and I'm I'm being reminded of my daughter she's six mm-hmm. you know and she asked me recently how babies are made and I told her in a very simple term about the daddy seeds and how they have to go into the nests inside a woman's stomach and like just trying to make it like understandable for her, you know, and, yeah. you know, she's six, so she doesn't need to like know conclusively, but I have been really exploring, like, how do I make sure that she feels safe in her body? So like, I mean, we practice like consent from a very young age. So you know, it's funny, because as I watch it, right, like, there'll come a time where, you know, I'll see something happen, right, for example, like a friend, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tickle you, and she'll be like, you didn't ask for consent. You know, and (laughs) I'm like, I I did so good, you know, or like, (laughs) you know, a relative will be like, come give me a hug. And she'll be like, No, I don't want to. Yeah, you know, and she's so comfortable in herself. So like, that's amazing. You know, I'm setting her up for being you know understanding the yeses and nos in her body yeah um what was it a couple weeks ago you know she was kind of like mom there's something funny down in my my yoni you know and I started teaching her these words and yeah and so I was like well why don't we get a mirror and you can see what's going on down there and Uh so I literally got her mirror so she could look at her vagina Uh very simple you know but just teaching her that there's nothing shameful about her body and that instead maybe just approaching it from a curious lens, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and these small steps are something that can just totally shift the trajectory that, you know, in the relationship that someone will have with their body and then their sexuality later, you know, Um, just these small things, you know, they're huge. (laughs) I love that. I think you're doing the world a big service. Oh, Thank you. Seriously, because like women and even men and non-binary people who like have that deep connection with their body, the way they relate to others and the way they make others feel like when they leave a room, the people behind them that they've just interacted with just feel better. You know, yeah. they like go on, they go off to spread love in this world. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, the more the more confident we feel in ourselves and our yeses and our nos and our desires and just I think the more relaxed we are in our being, it, it just naturally yeah. affects those around us. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm always still learning, you know, so I'm always every year I'm like, okay, what training can I take to deepen my own work? And you know, because again, there's so much to ex- explore and discover. Yeah, you know, and yeah. um 
it's fascinating. It's really mm-hmm. fascinating how much there is to really work with and reconcile and, and, and explore. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. if you're open, like one thing can kind of like seamlessly neat lead to the next where like, even for me, like I could be in a master class and the teacher will mention another coach that they've worked with or like mention something where I'm like, what is that? I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Let me Google that. <laughs> mm. So like, if you're open to it, like the journey of even just like self-development in general yeah. can just like open so many doors endlessly. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, how can you be bored with life? How can yeah. you not be excited to learn something new about yourself and, yeah. you know, who you are meant to be, um, you know, yeah, I was just getting, I was like preparing for my, my course next, next week. And I was like, Ooh, we're going to do this. And like, it's even edgy for me. And like, you know, I love, I, I love also putting myself out there as well. And like really finding those edges that is like, Ooh, that's, that's edgy. Cool. Like, yeah. And being excited about it. Um, whereas before I think it used to, it used to freak me out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so I approach it with curiosity, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and and this is where then we start to really see what's there to be discovered you know oh, so true yeah 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 like the labels we have about ourselves oh I'm not that kind of person um oh I don't do that you know mm-hmm. when you start to explore and put yourself in these situations especially with sexuality um you know then you start to really find out oh actually yeah like I could totally do that or, Oh, I didn't know that even existed. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like one, one practice I have clients do is, is creating their, their operating manual. Okay. Okay. And your operating manual is like a template. I actually have a link to it. Um, I can share with you and you can share with people. Okay. Um, I could put in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's basically just like, it's like your operating manual. So like you put in your love languages, mm-hmm. what are your love languages? What is your erotic blueprint? Um, you know, um, what are, what are the things that you would love to try? What are the things that you're willing to try? Um, and what are the things you're not wanting to try? What is your attachment style? Like all of these pieces about yourself, what is your relationship with your parents? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, how would you like to be loved? Like just these insights so that like, if you have a lover or you're dating someone, you could be like, here's my operating manual. Like, (laughs) have a peek. Right. And, and it just, it, it creates like deeper communication around what you love to explore, maybe what some of your triggers are, mm-hmm. um, even your communicating style. Right. Um, and it just starts to open up the ability to express what we want, what we don't want, maybe the places that have some tenderness. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 I love the idea of the operating manual. Just like it's a, it sounds like a good conversation starter between, um, a couple or even like friends. Like, I feel like sometimes, uh, not sometimes all the time. I feel like love languages are also relevant in friendships and of course, triggers and attachment styles and just being, I think it all comes down to like self-awareness, Yeah, being aware of like what you're going through, what you're still working on or like it's not you. It's me. Like when you do this, this is what it reminds me of this thing. My mom told me or like whatever it is, like just that awareness. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it gives like a a foundation for you to work on, Yeah, you know, and, um, and also to showing where your boundaries are, right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, um, so that like, you know, your partner's boundaries, right. Um, Mm -hmm. and you can safely like tread around them, you know, Mm -hmm. crossing them yeah 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 it's beautifully deep work and um I I can see like right now I'm in the process of creating a practitioner's program because I there's so many people that want to be sharing this work and um (laughs) you know I was working on my book for quite a while there but now I'm shifting to to being able to create a, a space for people who want to share this work with others right and and part of it is like each time I teach this course or each time I share this work, it's like I too go through my own mm. process of yeah. initiation and like the codes seep through me and deepen 
within mm-hmm. myself. Um, yeah. And this is just part of it, like being able to then translate that out to what someone else will go through, mm-hmm. you know? Um, Cause I've died and, and been reborn many times, you know? And <laughs> so it doesn't get easier per se, but I'm like, Oh, okay. That's what's happening right now. Okay, great. Um, yeah. You know, and I did take on the name Phoenix, you know, a decade ago. So I guess I have to be okay with, you know, being reborn from the ashes, but it's definitely challenging, right. When we're letting go of like our identity, you know, yeah. that we hold on to, but then there's something greater on the other side that mm-hmm. um, awaits us. So I've noticed, I've noticed that actually in, um, I very first noticed it with like yoga teachers, but I've noticed it with people who work with, uh, helping people with sexuality that they change their birth name. Mm -hmm. Is that something that's like given to you by a Tantra teacher or is it something that like, where does that come from? Yeah, it's, that's a really great question. I, I think it's this innate knowing that, um, well, first of all, in a lot of indigenous cultures, there's a moment where a youth goes on a vision quest. Okay. And they ask for a name, a new name to kind of mark this transition. And so I think innately we've known this, mm-hmm. you know, um, and for myself and for others that I've seen is that taking on a new name has supported me in letting my old self die. Mm. Um, and all that was attached to it. Yeah. And being able to have a name, like a power name that would support me in this next chapter to explore these different aspects of myself. So when I took on the name Phoenix, I asked God to show me a new name, you yeah. know, because there was all of this attachment to my old identity, like shy. I used to be super shy, super shy. Me too. Super shy. Like, you know, um, you know, I had all this stuff around my childhood growing up and like victim and, you know, and so there's all these stories that was really hard to let go of. And I actually had to take on a new name so that I can move forward. So I can start to sing again. Like I had all yeah. this trauma around singing and my name. And yeah. Um, so I think that that's like a big piece of it is as we're transitioning into a new chapter, sometimes taking on these power names, it's a different frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a way of like, allowing the the spirit to evolve mm-hmm. you know and not everybody needs to right yeah um, it's just a tool that can help it's interesting too how like we don't ch- we don't choose our name it's just given to us and it's like all right you're you this is yours for life <laughs> this is what yeah. people are supposed to call you <laughs> yeah and whether or not like the soul is communicating that to the parents or not um yeah still there's this, that moment where we do shift you know, and we do transform. And so why did this happen in indigenous cultures, right? Or tribal cultures where there comes a moment where like, okay, you've shifted out of that name now and you're transitioning into a new one, Mm. you know? So um, it is fascinating. It is fascinating, but yeah, I've been making peace with my my birth name these days instead of playing around with it. And it's it's kind of foreign. It's kind of weird, you know, because it's like, (laughs) even reconciling these old parts of myself back into this wholeness has been really, has been healing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So I have a few uh, rapid fire questions I like to do towards the end. Okay. And then after that, we'll um, talk about like where people can find you and work with you. We've mentioned a little bit before what you're up to, but we'll just mention it again. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So the first one is what does self-love mean to you? Self-love is being at peace with who you are right now in this moment. Beautiful. Yeah. 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 And then finish this phrase. The way to my heart is. The way to my heart is love letters and memes. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you post memes. Your memes are so funny. (laughs) You know, it's, it's really hilarious. Like I, you know, and I think anyone who runs a social media account can relate to it's like, there's something so beautiful about the carefully curated, you know, feed and everything's been carefully chosen and it fits an aesthetic. And at some point I was like, this is not representing all of who I am. You Mm -hmm. know, like I actually have a very crass humor. Um, You know, I love memes 
and I want to just be able to share more of who I am, you mm-hmm. know? And so I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to start <laughs> sharing memes every week and, and being more true to myself, you know? And it's been really fun to just play with those different pieces of, again, the archetypes, right? Like yeah. I have a joker in me, you know, that loves to play jokes and tricks and pranks. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's beautiful, you know? Does it look carefully curated on my feet? No, no. But is my life this perfectly curated, uh, you know, highlight reel? No, uh, it's not. <laughs> like, no. Thank God it, life isn't not. like that. <laughs> you know, and I don't know. I think that that's being more authentic and vulnerable and real. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I've been really focusing on these days. Is how can I just be more authentic to myself? Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's really comes back to me. Like, am I living my life authentically or am I living a fake life just Mm -hmm. to look like I'm fucking cool, you know, (laughs) like, right. So, yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Are, are words of affirmation, is that your main love language by any chance? Um, Love letters and memes kind of fits into that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's close. So it's words of affirmation and gifts. Oh, nice. Okay. And so for me, it's like, I love like those romantic touches of like flowers or like homemade gifts or just mm-hmm. like these little gestures, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm deeply romantic. Um, and I like to try to weave that into my work as much as possible, like sending people gifts and, um, in the past I've painted pictures of my lovers and like, <laughs> you know, just a very like Renaissance woman. I would yeah. say. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that's like the romance, right? The arrows of mm-hmm. life. How do we explore that and embody that, right? And really mm-hmm. bring that into our lives on the daily, regardless of being a mom, running a farm, writing yeah. books, you know? Yeah. And not like shutting that part of us off because now we're a mom. And so we're not allowed to do that anymore. Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm wearing lingerie, like this beautiful, like negligee and yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, why not? Right. Life is to be yeah. lived and, and embraced and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also yeah. benefits our children. Well, I don't, I don't have a child yet, but it benefits the children of the earth <laughs> it, it does. when our mothers are fully themselves. Cause we yeah. like, we take on the self-esteem and confidence and maybe some of the traumas and shames that our mom has just by being around her. Like, I know that, I know that happened with me. Yeah. 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 We inherit a lot of codes, you know, gifts, but also the wounds, you know, from our lineages. And um, I'm doing my best to like, do my own healing so I don't pass on too much to her and you know there's actually I have a journal that I write in um that I'm going to give her one day when she's like you know 20 or 23 or something oh, like that's that beautiful. And it's like hey buddy I'm sorry about this time that I da, da, da. like you know if you need to talk about this in therapy <laughs> or you know but like I, I capture these moments for her because it's like I, I will forget one day and also it's like imparting these, these pieces of, of my heart, you know, mm-hmm. so one day she can read them and just kind of know, yeah, a little bit about where I was at. Right. And like, you know, my book talks about like the incredibly painful pregnancy that I had. Um, mm. And it's really interesting because I just really started coming into the understanding of ancestral healing when I was pregnant. Okay. And, and how oftentimes we repeat the cycles from our parents, like lit- literal events actually get repeated. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was pregnant that I really understood that. And um, that's why I feel like too, like the ancestral healing piece is, is woven into that soul aspect I was talking about with soul, sex, and art. It's like, when you understand that sometimes the patterns that are showing up in your relationships or the way that you relate to your sexuality or the way you relate romantically are actually sometimes patterns from your past. Mm-hmm. And when you start to dig into that, like it get, just gives you greater context for where you're coming at. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where we as like cycle breakers or cycle healers, you know, um, we get to do that healing for our lineages. Yeah. 
you know, for maybe the first time since ever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there's so I much talk- there that I could like keep talking to you. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I have to do it. But I have, I, maybe we have to do a part two because I do have a, <laughs> another recording right after this. Um, uh, but we'll move on to the next question. <laughs> and we'll have to, we'll have to chat again, whether it's recorded or not recorded. I'd love to connect with you. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so enriching yeah so what is your favorite part about being a woman Hmm. I usually keep that one for last but Hmm. that just came out (laughs) I think my favorite part about being a woman is just like the the luscious sensuality um, that is available to Hmm. me Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like <sighs> tapping into the primal, tapping into the, like the deeply sensual, tapping into this silky softness, you know, that it's just, it's like a, an energetic cream that you just want to like put on your finger <laughs> and lick. Like I just, I love feeling that and being like the embodiment of that and being able to embrace that you know and it's been something I've really explored in the last five years especially you know it's just how to like the, the warriors always felt more comfortable for me growing up you know mm-hmm. being like a fighter and mm-hmm. me against the world and like that kind of energy and so embracing my softness has been has been a new edge in my archetypal understanding and that it's okay to be soft and it's okay to be like luscious and silky and um, yeah. And that as a woman, I get to experience like, I mean, heck we get to have multiple orgasms easier than, than our, our divine counterparts, you know? Um, yeah. and it's just, it's built into our biology. And so being able to be an embodiment of that and, and then share that with others is been really fun and beautiful. I love how you described that. <laughs> You're definitely a writer. <laughs> That's a new title. It's a, it's definitely a funny title. I'm like, oh, I, I'm a writer. Okay, great. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Last, last question. When do you feel most alive? Mm. Uh, yeah, I feel most alive when I'm creating, mm-hmm. like just creating, um, you know, whether it's like, a new piece of art or creating a ceremony or creating a new course, or I really get off on the art of creation. Like, Ooh, you know, it's like this, it really just lights me up. And if I'm ever, if I'm ever in a funk, you know, um, Mm -hmm. like recently it's been last six months, I've been a little bit more funky just because I've been building a home and starting a farm with my friends. Like that's a whole nother story. Like, you know, um, now living at my mom's part-time while I finish my home, like it's been Mm -hmm. hilariously challenging. And I had to ask myself the question, well, like, how can I bring more joy into my life? And it's just like creation, just simply creating. So what can I create today? Ooh, great. I'm going to, you know, work on my new website that's coming out. Um, you know, I'm going to create some beautiful new graphics. I'm going to do some writing on death today. Like just, allowing creation to kind of light me up again has been uh, a reminder for me so I love that yeah yeah <laughs> art right yeah art lights me up yeah yeah so where can the listeners of this episode find you online find out more about you and work with you yeah if, if people are interested in in sacred sexuality and the work of soul sex and art um, through temple arts um, they can either find me at my website, which is phoenixamara.com. And um, a new website is actually coming out like very soon. It's Ooh. insanely gorgeous. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Um, or they can find out more about Temple Arts at templeartsalchemy.com. Okay. And uh, they can also find me on Instagram at the Phoenix Amara. Um, I do have my practitioner training that is happening this year Um, and what I'm really excited about is I'm actually going to be doing some live events um, which I haven't done since you know last two years Mm -hmm. and these are like 
the, the downloads have been coming through and they're fucking next level. They're next level. <laughs> like next level um, in terms of exploring theater and sexuality and fantasy. So um, for people that are, feel ready to explore that realm, um, they can reach out with more questions or book a consult call and yeah, explore more of my programs. So amazing. Yeah. I'll put those links in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having this conversation with me. Yeah. Thanks for initiating it. It's, uh, important and needed. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. I know that there's an abundance of content online, so I really appreciate you giving me your ears today. If this episode shifted something for you, please share this with a friend and slash or write us a podcast review if you're listening to this on iTunes so that more people can find this. If anything shifted for you from this episode that you want to have a conversation about, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a DM over on Instagram at selfexpressedbabe, and that is in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.